Welcome to the Beyond Belief podcast. We're glad you decided to listen to us today. We have designed this podcast to have a practical conversation about Christianity. Our goal is to make this show relatable, realistic, and relative. We will bring you the gospel of Jesus Christ so you can apply it practically to your life. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey, welcome back. It's the Beyond Belief Podcast. It's your host, Bill. I'm joined with Alan. What's up, Ed? You're already stirred up. <laughs> hey, uh, buddy. I can't even. I can't. If I put a lid on you, the thing would explode. Probably so. Uh, anyways, today we have a guest, Shanda Fulbright. Good morning. How are you, Shanda? I'm good. Glad to be here. Yeah, we're glad to have you. There was <laughs> there was conversation ahead of time. Uh, we always like to talk to our guests for a few minutes. And I couldn't, I didn't, I hope you don't mind me doing this. I'll edit it out if uh, if you don't want me to say it. But I didn't know how to say your name. And I've talked to you for weeks now uh, on social media just about other stuff. But when it got down to it, I was getting ready to call you. I was like, uh-oh, <laughs> I don't know how to say her name. And Alan was like, it's 1030. You got to call her. I'm like, oh. But anyways, thanks for being gracious enough to come on and uh, talk with us a little bit, probably a lot of bit. Um, Pre-recording, we we've already man. There's so much. Yeah. There's so much to happen. Yeah. Uh, why don't you give us a little bit of background? I could do it in like five words. I think mother, daughter, wife, uh, godly woman, author. Uh, that's five. Let's go a little bit further. A CrossFitter. <laughs> Oh, I oh, do CrossFit. Go. I love CrossFit. Yeah. Oh, I, didn't um, even know that. I know. I'm just, I'm trying to think of the unconventional things that I don't normally post about myself. Um, yeah, you summed it up. I've been married for 20 years. I think we just celebrated our 20th year in June. We have three boys. So I'm a boy mom. Um, and I speak to that a lot because I am a woman who loves to lift up godly men because we don't do it enough in our society and our culture. So you will not find feminist views coming out of my mouth because I love my guys. Um, I am into apologetics, so probably going to hit on that a little bit today Okay, and got into that because just the, the evidence for God is beyond a reasonable doubt. And we don't talk about that enough in the church. And that's what I like to do is talk about all that good stuff and hopefully equip Christians, other Christians to do the same. So good. I blog, I podcast, all that good stuff. Yeah. You know, the pain of putting together a podcast. You know, <laughs> I, I thought it was funny. You mentioned something one time. You're like, well, you've made it past episode four. So you must be doing something because a lot of people, like you said, they don't make it yeah. very far. Uh, no, you know why? Because people don't realize what goes into a podcast till they start podcasting. That's me. I don't realize. He has no idea. No, he comes and sits down, <laughs> opens his little binder up. He's like, "What are we talking about today?" And then we <laughs> Who go are we through, talking to right. Yeah. Well, he's he's done much better this season. Um, anyways, so uh, I want to crack it right open. We I asked you, and you you gave me a list ahead of time of a bunch of topics that you would like to talk about. And Alan and I, when we get guests on, we just we really just want to we just want to talk because we've already figured out that we align with their uh, biblical views, their biblical doctrine. Mm -hmm. We don't. You know, we don't get too caught up in people that are stretching things around and watering it down. And your alignment is spot on. In fact, in an episode earlier today, I read uh, from your website. I don't think Alan knew that that's where I was reading it from your statement of belief, what you believe in. And it was very concise. Uh, 
So do you want to go through kind of your story a little bit more uh, about why you're so passionate about your relationship with God? Sure. I was raised in church, so I'm one of those kids who grew up with God around in every every area of our lives. We said the blessing. We prayed before school. My mom took us to church every Sunday morning, every Sunday night. That's back when, you know, the good old days, people showed up to church on a Wednesday night, Sunday night, all the time. Yeah. And so she was very diligent. My dad was my dad was there, but he wasn't as diligent. He probably only went to church back then because my mom took us and she was committed. So I just grew up with this idea that God was there, that that's what we did. And I came to the realization when I, I, I say it's late, but probably wasn't as late as, you know, for someone being raised in church, I was 17 when I realized I didn't know God. <laughs> like I, I did the churchy things. I was very involved in youth group and I, you know, I knew it was right to believe in God. I didn't ever question the Bible. I didn't question God's existence until one day I was walking through my high school campus and I, and I was praying. And when I finished that prayer, I said, okay, God, I love you. Amen. And as soon as I, as soon as I said, I love you and was getting ready to go on my way, the question that confronted my faith was, do you really believe in God? Or are you just saying that because you were taught to say it? And it was such a sobering reality for me that I realized it actually scared me. Because, you know, you grow up in church and you realize, wait, if I don't believe in God, the only other option is hell because hell is separation from God. So is that where I'm at right now? And I knew I had an option to either be honest with God and say, I don't know you, which really freaked me out to admit that, or to continue to walk on and pretend like I did. And I just couldn't, I very dangerous, but as a 17 year old, there was no pastor there. There was no mom and dad to lead me into this truth. It was just me and God. And I think that's obviously how God wanted it to be. And, uh, I said, in honesty, I said, God, I don't know you. I don't know you. And, but I need to help me to know you. And it was just a regular old day, but I realized now, not then, because I didn't know the Bible like I do now, that that was my, who do you say that I am moment. And so I, you know, that was me taking off in my own relationship with God, but I still wasn't in the word um, as much as I am now because I was, like I said, young. So I realized as I've gotten older, the importance of, of knowing God through his word and equipping others to do the same, because we are a, you know, we are a, a American culture is at 65% claiming Christianity, but I think that they're a lot like the Shanda, the 17-year-old Shanda, thinking they know him, but we don't. We don't know him. So I've gotten into apologetics. This is my story. I've gotten into apologetics because I really want to place an emphasis on equipping the church to be able to answer the hard questions, the questions that I grew up being asked and asking myself, no matter if you're raised in church or not, why do I believe in God? How do I know I have the truth? And how can we, how can I put my faith into this book that's, you know, thousands of years old written by men? How do I know I can trust it? And you, you know, whether or not you're, you're raised in church, whether or not you're a skeptic or an atheist, we're all asking those same questions and we all need to know how to answer them. Um, or, or we, we're going to lose kids like myself. So my audience isn't just children, to be honest with you. It's not teenagers, although I have teenage boys, 
my audience is Christians who are looking for truth. And I see a lot of that every day Yeah, asking, absolutely. why don't I know these answers? So, yeah. And the Holy spirit actually is the only one that can give that assurance. So more people need to learn how to allow the Holy spirit to lead them. There's so many people that are just have a superficial Christianity. They don't know anything about the Holy spirit. Well, and, exactly. and you yeah. alluded to this 65% of Americans know only what they've been told. Yeah. So the people that are right. showing up in church are getting a message, but they're not doing anything with it after that. They're not going back. Well, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, that, part of that is because we're looking at the statistics, but we need, need to dig deeper. So if you're saying 65% of Americans are claiming Christianity as their religion, for one, we also need to look at the other statistics. The agnostics or the nuns, N-O-N-E-S, have now grown to 17%. That's astronomically higher than it's ever been in the history of the United States, you know, that, that grouping. Well, out of those 65% that claim Christianity, only 6% have a biblical worldview. And that's, that's the difference. Yeah. So the biblical worldview, and for those who don't know what worldview means, it's the, it's the lens through which we evaluate everything in culture, our sexuality, our identity, marriage, um, the family unit, logic, reason, everything. And so that's, that's where we're falling apart. If you you know, we always think, oh, I need to fix the politics and get a new president and then it will be better. Or I need to fix yeah. the education system and then the kids will learn what they need to know. Oh, I need to fix this. No, if you fix the church and the church were able to equip their members, you would you would fix society. You would fix politics. You would fix education. You would fix it all. But we're not teaching from a biblical worldview. We're literally passing on the salvation message without like, like I believe it was you, Alan, who was saying the Holy Spirit working in our lives To one, draw us to God, draw us to the knowledge of God, and then to also bear the fruit within us that, you know, Jesus talks about that can only be produced when you abide in him. So there's so much that goes along with it, um, so many concepts, but the church needs to know the state that we're in. It may sound comforting to some, and it used to comfort me when we were at 75%, which was like 10 years ago, 75% of Americans claiming Christianity, I used to think, oh, wow, that's great. We're still the majority of a Christian nation. Well, not when you look at the worldview, the biblical worldview out of those now 65% being 6% is sad. It really is sad. It's horrible. It really is. Yeah. Yeah, There's, there's so many superficial Christians out there. They, they believe being a Christian means believing that Jesus walked the earth. Well, um, it's it's way deeper than that. And people just don't need to know. People don't realize that because they don't have the person that's standing in front of the church telling them there's more to it. Um, well, right. it's for whatever we, reason. We talked about this before. Now you get me fired up. I was letting you two have at it. <laughs> but so and I talk about this a lot because there's almost like a routine, a tradition or a standard uh, when you're talking about the box itself, the church, not the people, the box, you can't, you can't preach to people if there are no people and you have to get people there and keep them there. Right. So there's almost this, there's almost this ceiling of salvation. So once you get people in the church and you can get them there saved or not, if they're saved, you're already, you're already, you beat the, uh, the majority if you get somebody there and they're not, and you get them to salvation, now you've got them in the church. They're more likely to stay than to leave. 
But what happens is they're not keeping them there. They're not, they're not preaching sanctification. They're not preaching uh, where to go beyond that. And, and it, it's disheartening, man. When you talk about the worldview, the standard for right and wrong has already been established. It was established by God. But right. everybody else wants to be the determiner of what's right and wrong and how they can fix it. Yeah. And that removes them from uh, turning to God. Well, Shanda, actually, I, <clears throat> I had asked a preacher one time because I was having difficulty um, having Christ-centered talks within a church. And, I, you know, if you want to talk about racing or you want to talk about anything other than Christ, they were all game. But Christ-centered talks were like maybe two minutes and then it was somewhere else. Anyway, I asked a preacher why that was. And he's like, and this is sad. He told me, well, typically it takes, you know, about three generations for people to start really getting it. And I was like, wow, someone, when they make themselves available to the Holy Spirit to to guide them, they can have that relationship. It shouldn't take three generations. Right. I think part of the reason is because... And not, not all churches are like this. I'm, we're talking about the global or the American church mostly, right? Right, yeah. yes, ma'am. So when you look at churches, what pastors and, and the leaders of that church need to realize is whatever you win people with, you win them too. So yeah, if I'm going to right. get people into my church by you know, giving away something or bribing them on an Easter Sunday with 10 million eggs or whatever it may be. If we do not continue to win them with those things, we, they, we will lose them. That's right. But if you win the people with the truth of God's word, you keep them with the truth of God's word. If you win mm-hmm. your youth group on Wednesday nights with games and pizza, you stop that when they become adults, because they're not going to get games and pizza right. in the main sanctuary, then they will leave. Yeah. And so that's what people don't realize. Well, you know, people are hungry for truth and some people don't want it. But what I've learned by even doing the online, I call it online ministry because it's a lot of it's through social media, teaching online classes and things like that. There are enough hungry people out there that you will you will win them with the truth of God's word and then you will send them out to make more disciples with the truth of God's word because they love it. And we're not, we're not cultivating a love for truth in our churches because we're too afraid to offend people. And I was at a, I was at a, um, I was invited to speak in June before I left California um, to help parents know how to equip their children to defend the faith. And Somebody raised their hand and asked me, why are, and these are congregants, these aren't leaders in the church. These are just parents that are pleading with somebody to help them teach their children to navigate this world and stay in the way of God, right? Stay in under the wings of, of the Lord and hopefully choose God. And they were asking, why aren't pastors preaching this? Why aren't we hearing these things? Why aren't we talking about the law of identity and why transgenderism does not match up to even the basic laws of logic and things like that? And I said, I'm going to be honest with you, and I'm not trying to sound harsh because we're too busy keeping these buildings full of people with our coffee bars so we can pay for the buildings that we built yeah. and for the coffee, you know, the, I don't know if you've been to these churches, but I've been to churches where they actually have <laughs> not a Starbucks, but it's like a Starbucks yeah, and you yeah. can go in and order anything you want. And I'm, they have call I'm not ahead saying seating. it's a sin. Yeah. 
and I'm not saying it's a sin or not a sin. I'm not putting, I'm not categorizing those things, but I'm talking uh, about priorities within the church. We're taking the focus. Where are we God. placing? Exactly. Yeah. Where are we placing our money? What are we winning people to? The right. church down the street has an amazing coffee bar, or the church right. down the street gives you the truth of God's word, and that's where we have to evaluate. The, you know, I did I did a podcast episode with a woman um, with women in apologetics, and she is an apologist to um, Islam, and she's been to Afghanistan and all this, and it convicted me doing it, and I I choked up because when they, when Muslims leave Islam, they are le- they are literally giving up their lives because they can be either killed or disowned by family, they can be fired from their jobs whatever, whatever those repercussions may be, but they know they're literally giving up all for Jesus. They don't care about going to a church for a coffee bar. They're not coming to church on a Sunday morning to fill a pew. They're coming to, to sit with Jesus. And it convicted me because that's a, it's, it's a direct um, opposite of what we're seeing in the American church. And I thought, man, we, we we get, we get scared if we post something on Instagram and people, (laughs) Right. you know, call or, us bad names yeah. over it or unfollow us. Or somebody right. sits Whereas in our seat at church. I mean, yeah, people get exactly. worried about the wrong stuff. You know, actually, um, there's a church in the in Lake City. That's where I live. And <clears> they have a, a, a commercial on the radio. And it's in, in the commercial, it says, come on by and whatever. And the coffee is great. So they have a coffee bar like you're talking about. But there's no mention of Jesus or the gospel or anything. It's well, because if you identified it as a church yeah. uh, advertisement, you might turn people off. Well, you want them yeah. to come for this friendship and this gathering and this fellowship. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's taken away from a relationship with God. It really oh, absolutely. has. Absolutely. But I just found that interesting. And when you mentioned it, um, you know, I, I have a, an issue with that all the time. Every time I hear the commercial, I'm like, who cares about the coffee? You know, whatever. Uh, right. So. It's nuts. There, there's one that does a, a call ahead seating where you can actually reserve a seat because the service is so busy that you can call ahead and reserve a seat. It shows you online where the seating is, where you'll sit. And all you have to do is come in and an usher will take you to your seat. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I think for me personally, when you touched on this subject about the church uh, not fulfilling its role. I think what happens is I think people as a matter of tradition, habit or routine, they show up at church and it's the three hours a week. If you're lucky, it's the three hours a week that they sit there and they check a box and they get fulfilled and they leave. And they're and most of that time's filled up with church business, uh, handshaking, uh, talking to people on the way in and out and and somebody sitting next to your seat. So really, you're only getting about an hour's worth of preaching a week. But nobody's encouraged yeah. those people to have a deeper relationship. No one has told any of those people. Well, a lot of churches don't tell people that there is more to that relationship. They're, they're so busy promoting, well, you can't lose your salvation. You can't lose your salvation. But the benefits of having that relationship are just as important as the salvation. It's visitorship, salvation, and membership. Yeah. And those are the three things that are important that you'll find in most churches preached upon. And coffee. And finances. It really is. I mean, I hate to say it. Well, I mean, coffee, right. But but I'm saying like it legitimately, those are the things that are topically preached about. Yeah. It's not the hard stuff. Like like Shanda said, it's not the hard stuff. It's not, it's not how to live your life and teach your children 
how to remain biblical throughout uh, adolescence and being yeah. a teen and adulthood. Like those are the important things, how to raise a man in your house that's going to turn to the Bible. The interesting thing is there's a lot of churches that are legalist and they they will give you that box, the the list of boxes to check. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't whatever. Instead of teaching like um, Shanda was saying earlier, you know, letting the Holy Spirit guide you because you can't regulate love into somebody that has to come from the inside out and only the Holy spirit can instill that in a person. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, all right. What other hot button topics you got for us? (laughs) (laughs) You just got to get us fired up already. Uh, Well, I did a podcast episode. I believe it was in October something like that last year. And it's called somebody's disciple. And what, what people who attend church need to realize, and this is the first thing that, I would say, because discipleship goes both ways. You need somebody to disciple and you need the person who's being discipled, right? Yeah. So the person who needs to be discipled, one, we have to place emphasis as a church on the disciples. That's what the Great Commission is. Yeah. Jesus said, go out into all the earth and make disciples of all nations. So it's not a it's not an ask. It's it's a it's a command. And the church is failing at that big time. And big time. Yep. Yeah. And so when you look at it, like you were, you were giving the, the time of how often we're actually sitting under preaching. And that doesn't, that doesn't even, that begs the question, is it even sound preaching? But we'll just say right. it is, okay, for the sake of argument. Yeah. And if you look at discipleship, when I was doing my studies for somebody's disciple, it actually, how many hours a day that people are on either social media or entertainment of like, you know, TV whatever it may be, uh, video games and some adults play video games. But when you, when you calculate those hours, it's like four to six hours a day that people are giving their time and attention to these digital things. And that is all that, that's all what even Paul said, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. And we, we look at company as who am I hanging around with, but it goes deeper than that. Who are you giving your time and attention to? Exactly. You are a disciple of whatever it is you're putting into (laughs) your mind. That's right. And so when your church gets you for one hour out of the week, or maybe, maybe even an hour and a half, you are not a disciple of that church. You are not a disciple. You're you're not creating disciples. So the, the person who is teaching and who is discipling has to teach the the people the disciples how to sit at jesus's feet every day of the week and filter those things that are going into the mind so they do not become a disciple of this culture and that's why again you have the six percent of the of the church with a biblical worldview because they were not discipling and so it's all correlated it's all connected and we think you're well you're right too it's a numbers game membership oh yay we added another member to the church this week we added five members how many members do we have does it matter if those members can't go out of your church right and tell people how to even get lead somebody else to salvation do you know how many people cannot even and, I, and i'm not trying to dog on people i'm trying to bring reality let us let us evaluate where we are as a church so we can fix it and so don't I hope people who are listening don't mistake it. Wow, she's being really judgy. No, I'm giving you facts and, and statistics and data so we can evaluate that data and say, how do we change it? Yeah, how yeah. do we change this to grow the kingdom? So there are many people in the church who do not know how to lead somebody else to salvation. 
We don't know how to walk them through that prayer of salvation. And that's one of the basic things as a Christian is how do you do that? And so we're just not equipping the church. And it's not about making a member. It's about making a disciple. And if that's all we care about is membership, well, we're never going to grow that 6% with a biblical worldview. And that's just (laughs) the reality. You got me so stirred up. So uh, originally, right. Anybody that's listened to our podcast, they kind of know Alan and I's our, our backstory. I'm not going to go into that. Uh, it's whatever, but I was told that I couldn't go, uh, be a part of the great commission because I wouldn't belong to a church. And it's so, it's so crazy to me that everything seemed to stop uh, in certain churches, and I'm not going to group them all together because there are some phenomenal ones. The one I'm watching online now is a phenomenal church uh, that teaches a very biblical worldview. But you're right. And I'm, so I just want to touch on a couple points. And then I'll let Alan, because he was over there feverishly writing. Uh, when you said go, I think what happens is a lot of people, uh, and and we talked about this, they, they attach their string to it. They, you know, it's go, but I don't know if I can get time off from work. Uh, it's go, but I have dinner plans Friday night. It's go. But what happens is you see the leadership in the church do the same thing. And you can't, you can't reflect on something that's not a mirror. You can't sit there and say, uh, well, I want all of these folks to go out and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, but I'm busy or I can't do it on my day off. Uh, you know, and so that's a big part of the problem. The other part is the discipleship program. A lot of these churches, uh, they want the cookie. They don't want the cookie to go out because I may, I may go disciple somebody at a church that we're competing against for (laughs) membership. And, and I might like that church better. Uh, I might like the people over there. They might be pretty decent people. They might be spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, so we, we put up barriers, divisions and, and walls in these discipleship programs, because who are we discipling? Only the people that are in the church. Right. We're not discipling right. somebody else, a brother, a mother, a friend. We're not discipling them because they're not at our church. We're, we're worried about right. bringing them to the church to become a member of the church to uh, increase our finances. Right. Anyways. Well, you know, well, I had to, yeah. I'm sorry. Um, I know. It's okay. Go, go ahead, Shanda. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, well, I I was going to say it's a t- it's definitely a top-down problem, right? Yeah. When you look at the leadership in the church, how passionate are they about one discipling and two equipping their, you know, the people that are coming because but the pastor also, and I'm not a pastor and I I I'm not going to be. I'm I'm a woman, so I don't believe in women pastoring churches, but what I'm saying is that if the pastor emphasized and was passionate about equipping the members, his church would grow automatically because you're sending your, you know, your members out equipped. But I think also, if you ask questions, you'll see the health of your church. If you just ask questions to your congregation and you were to say, how do you know that what you believe is true? And when you get those churchy answers, like, Oh, I was raised in church or I just know that I know that one is my absolute favorite, by the way. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Or the Bible tells me, which is a circular argument. (laughs) If you get those answers, you know that your, your congregation does not know how to answer those questions. So they cannot go out and disciple. So who is that on? Who, who is God going to, when at the, you know, when we stand before the Lord, I always say, what will God ask of me? What will he require of me? Well, I 
have a podcast and every one of those episodes will, he will require that I spoke the truth on it. That's and then right. I was able to give his yeah. listeners something to equip them to hopefully push them towards their relationship, uh, deeper relationship with God. Every time I post something on Instagram, I will be held accountable because I spoke on behalf of God and his word. And that's the same for that pastor. So there has to be a top down or it is a top down um, effect. And you, you and I very well know, I mean, I just saw a pastor in Canada is now requiring members to be vaccinated before he allows anybody to come into his church. What's wrong with Okay. So, yeah. So to me, it's like, yeah, you're going to get some wackadoos out there to call themselves pastors. And I, I would very much question that when they don't care about discipleship. Absolutely. Actually, I had a question um, because Bill and I started this podcast. This is a statement and a question. <laughs> Bill and If I you started, don't know, Alan, this thing will turn into 30 minutes and then you'll be like, could you repeat the question? Right. No, I'm, tr- <laughs> I'm trying to streamline it. So Bill and I started this podcast because we had, you know, wanted to start a Bible study within the church because we just wanted to see more people Christ centered and, you know, and, 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 uh, and for our benefit as well. So we could learn. And, um, that was mentioned to the preacher and I mean, phone calls were made, emails were sent. There were probably teletypes heads, going off, you know, split and, open. and it was like, no, no, you can't do that. So what do you think would motivate a preacher not to want to have a Bible study or it wasn't even, you know, his idea. It was, we were just trying to encourage other people. So why would so someone shut that let- down? So let me, let me just clarify. So you guys, he, he was against you having a podcast or against you having no, a Bible no, study? We started this podcast because we wanted to do, do more for the Lord. I went, I went to the pastor and right. said, Hey, would you have any problem with me having some men over to my house and doing a Bible study? And he said, and it got, it got crazy. I'm, I'm just paraphrasing it. And it was said, right. no, because we actually have a rule in our uh, bylaws, church bylaws that say that you can't hold only church leadership can hold uh, a Bible study. And I was like, great. Could, could we do one? Like, could we get one going? And it just became this thing that there was too many reasons why you couldn't for the simple reason of why you could to grow people. Uh, and, and then, so anyways, and then the podcast came about, we did that while we were members there. And then uh, basically we were told, uh, to cease and desist with the podcast uh, because we wow. were teaching people outside of the church uh, and, and get this, we were teaching them to go get a relationship with God and to follow Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, we left and I'm not going to dwell on that, but we wanted to get your take right. on it because I do understand that pastors don't want people out there willy nilly, uh, right. you know, teaching stuff that they're not, but in, instead of telling somebody, no, why wouldn't you encourage a way that they could? Exactly. And that's, that's the thing. First of all, I was going to say, I wouldn't be at that church any longer because here, here's, here's what I found out from you guys. And you had asked me if I wanted to be on your podcast. Yeah. Well, I screen all of my guests and then I'm careful who, whose podcast I go on, on and list. So I went and listened to a couple of your guys. And I was like, okay, they're legit. Then I said, yes. And I remember you saying, okay, I was honest with you. And I said, let me go check you guys out. Yeah. before I agree. Yeah. And then you guys checked into me, yep. which is exactly what I do. So I don't get offended by that at all whatsoever. So then we've all agreed, Hey, yeah, we're all on the same page here. How long did that take us? And you attend the guy's church. So if he didn't know where you were coming from, 
and have that confidence in you, then you, you are right to leave because one, God calls the person God has given that scripture, Matthew, I believe it's Matthew 28 or I can't remember the exact great commission, um, verse right now, but thank you. 2819. Um, that verse is for every person that believes in Jesus, that we are all supposed to go out and make disciples. That is not a doctrinal thing that needs to be added into. That's why, you know, I did another podcast episode on um, why we have so many denominations. And I I even have family members who won't step foot into certain denominations, Christian churches, but they won't step into their denominational, you know, different denominations because of one doctrinal issue, yeah. but that it's not, it's not a salvation issue. So if somebody was to ask me to come and teach apologetics to that church, I would say, absolutely. Now I may differ on, let's say Calvinist, for example, I'm, I would go to, because that's your opportunity that's to right. hopefully disciple other people. Yeah. So for a pastor to restrict you and say, nah, let the leaders handle this. You're not equipped. Well, then you're not doing your job as a pastor because maybe you should that equi- is not... equip them. <laughs> exactly. And, you, and and on the flip side of that coin, I agree with you that you should check into who who's teaching your members. You want to make sure that you're, that they yeah. have sound doctrine. But like I said, it took me uh, a short period of time. I think I came back to you within 24 hours yeah. um, to find out that you guys were, were legit. Why wouldn't he know if you're in his congregation? Yeah. Well, and I said that to you too. I said, listen, go, go check out the website, go. And I tell everybody this, we're, we, there's nothing closed up, hidden behind, go check our stuff out. Like we don't write this long convoluted, uh, confusing what we believe in It's very, it's like yours It's very to the point. This is our backstory. We have baggage. We, uh, we love the Lord. We felt called to do this. I mean, we're not, and this is what we believe. We don't, you know, it's not a open toed shoe, long hair, short hair versus jeans and skirts thing. It's, we believe in the Lord and the doctrine of the Bible period. And God, God calls the qualified. He doesn't, I mean, God qualifies the called. He doesn't call the qualified. Right. And we just, exactly. I had, Exactly. And that's great that you're doing it because I had somebody who came to me, I think it was around two years ago. And in my denomination at the time, I'm, I'm not, in, I'm, we're in South Carolina now and we've been attending a non-denominational church, which is, you know, I'm, me and my husband think we may have found a, a church based upon, they, they teach biblical truth and they actually focus on discipleship, but we'll see after a while. Right. But my point in saying all that is the denomination I was at, there was a couple of uh, people there who were wanting the church to use them and waiting on the pastors to find a place for them and waiting to see what ministry they could be a part of. But they were they were waiting like in the dugout is what I would say for the coach to call them up. And all the while they were just like just hoping and praying that they would do something. I said, what are you waiting for? You take that to God. If whatever burns in you, that passion to speak truth, to equip other people, to share with other people, whatever it may be, you take ownership of that before the Lord and ask God to help you and step out in that. Why are we waiting on people to give us the green light to go and make disciples when that's what we're called to do now. Yeah. Know your Bible, know your word, be in it, make sure you know what you're talking about, but don't just sit around and wait. You will rot in the dugout because there are people who are not going to give you that green light because 
they have it written in their bylaws or whatever reasons they're going to come up with. And I still believe that person who's waiting will not be able to tell the Lord, well, Lord, my pastor never gave me the go ahead. That's not going to fly with the Lord. It's just, I don't believe God's going to say, oh, okay, I I get it now. You know, I had had a decision to make. I could either be convinced by man or called by God. So if man convinced me that, uh, a ministry that I felt being called to, which could have been either a social presence or this podcast or, or whatever. I mean, we've done a bunch of different little things that we call a ministry for us because we're spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. But if I let man convince me not to do that, then I put more faith in that man to pull me away from what I felt God was calling me to. And I won't say even felt, I knew God was calling yeah. me to it. And there was no doubt about it. In fact, I told my pastor in my driveway, God is calling me to this and you're telling yeah. me not to do it. And only the Holy right. Spirit can give you that assurance yeah. or yeah. tell you, man, no, man you can. Be doing right. no. And I, yes. and, and they do have an obligation, right? They're the shepherd of the flock uh, that have been put in temporary custody of feeding us and, and taking care of us. But that doesn't mean they, they know God's will. It's still Christ's church. Right. It's and right. Christ's and, and, and there is an obligation there, but there's also a responsibility. And I'm not trying to be tempered about this whole thing, but you got me fired up, Shanda. And then Alan plugs me <laughs> along. Here. But but you you make really good points. The discipleship we are called to by that biblically, yeah. Right. That's not a suggestion. It's not right. something that says, well, if you have time and you're weak, or if your yeah. pastor approves it, or if your friends think it's cool. Nah, we're called to go make disciples. Wow. Yeah. Right. And so we we have ownership and responsibility to equip ourselves to be able to do that to bring glory to the kingdom of God. In the end, that's the only thing that matters that we have brought glory to God. Period. Right. There's no there's no glory for me and Alan or Shanda, not our our listeners, not our followers. We have to make sure we bring glory to him at the end. Right. And that's it. Amen. There's nothing else. Yep. Anyways, y'all get me fired up. I'm quick. <laughs> <laughs> um, so once, once you, once you equip people in their role to become disciples, what are the, what do you see as these other, uh, I wouldn't say steps cause I don't want people to think there's a list to it, but there's a progression to it, right? They right. become equipped. They can disciple people. Where, where, are the, where's their role now? That's the, that's one of the things that I, so in 2020, at the beginning of the year before COVID even hit, I really felt like the Lord was putting on my heart that I needed to, within the ministry that I feel like he's entrusted to me to make disciples. Right. But I didn't know what that would even look like. And then the COVID hit, the lockdowns happened. I'm like, okay, Lord, I, maybe I heard you wrong because I'm thinking I, I need to find a way. I'm a teacher both in the public school system and right now I'm not in the public school system, but I'm a teacher. I have my credential, but I'm also a teacher. I feel like God, that's what God has called me to do to help to disciple other people. So with COVID, I was like, I don't get how this is going to work. And I was always a person that was like, social media is so superficial. I'm going to hate it. I don't want to do it. And I have actually met great people um, doing that. And I, and I, I've seen where God has put people, has drawn people to the ministry to be discipled. So I take it upon myself to say, one, I try to answer everyone back as much as possible because I never want to think that I'm 
um, above them. I want to make sure I come alongside them. Yeah. So my thing is to encourage people to be lifelong learners because we're never going to know everything we need to know about the Lord or his word. Um, you know, on this earth, we're just not going to. And that's one of the things I try to tell people, once you know God's word and you are hungry for it, stay in that all the time. I have to be available because um, they need somebody to continue to encourage them. Now, also, I feel like if they start an online ministry or if they want to teach or if they are in their own churches and their own ministries, I become a resource to them and try to continue to encourage them. I have a I have a um, newsletter that, not a newsletter. What am I talking about? I have a subscriber <laughs> list. Yeah, I'm like, what? I'm, not, what? I'm okay, like, I, I don't see that anywhere. No, I have a subscriber list on my um, website. So I send out an email every other week for those who are in contact with me. And if anybody emails me back, I always answer and stuff. So I feel like those people need the encouragement. They need to stay connected to to people who are choosing to disciple them. So that way they can plug themselves in and you have to help them find the resources. Yeah, yeah. We, we're all working together, right? So once you start making disciples, they need to stay connected to you because they're going to have their own disciples that they're needing help with. I had yeah. somebody reach out to me the other day and she's going to be teaching nine and 12 year olds at her church. And their pastor said, we don't want to start up a Sunday school program for these kids because they're too difficult to manage discipline wise. Right. Wow. And I said, that's not a good reason. It's not a good reason. That's the teacher's fault because she needs to bring order to her class or he, whoever's teaching it. So somebody was in contact with me about curriculum and how to do it. Well, I'm her resource now, but she's discipling little, little people. Yeah. And so what I'm saying is we're all connected as the body of Christ and we have to make ourselves available. There are no, um, you know, there are no in, in Christianity, famous Christians, we can never be too good. I hear, I look at myself as serving other people and that's what those disciples that you're making need to realize you are in a servant position. Yeah. This can be difficult. You're going to be called names, but you have to keep going. They need someone cheering them on. So what I'm saying is I don't just say, okay, bye now and hope that they make it. I stay connected them to them and continue to encourage them yeah. and provide those resources because that's what I want to do. I want them to keep going yeah. and stay plugged in. So the only way I will know what they're doing and where they go from here is if I stay connected to them. Absolutely. And, and that's so I, important. You know, yeah. And again, we're talking about not a lot of the people who come to me, to be honest with you, are the people who don't have that support in their church. Yeah. They, and, and apologetics too, to be honest with you is not well received in a, um, I'm just making a generalization. It's not generally received well in the church. People are not wanting to go into apologetics yeah. in their churches because they just don't want to talk about the quote unquote evidence for God because they say, well, that takes away from faith. They're just not understanding how it works. So, right. um, so that's who I get. And that's why I need to stay connected to them. So the only way to continue to know where they go from here is to continue to push them along and encourage them along the way. Absolutely. And I, and I totally, I completely admire what you're doing and it's so important. I lived such a blessed life. I didn't know it at the time, but I was in a discipleship program the first 48 years of my life. My dad was a wow. Christ centered man and he, he didn't only read the Bible daily. He lived the Bible, the Bible, you know, and I say it all the time. Um, 
your life may be the only Bible your neighbor will ever read. And he was that man that you, he, he was just a, he was human. He, he was fallible, but he was a, such a great example for me. And, um, you just that, didn't pay attention. I w- no, I was doing my own thing. But after he was gone, he died two years ago. Um, I was like, wow. And, and I started seeking that relationship myself. I realized how valuable all the things right. he taught me was. And it's so important because not everyone, obviously not everyone has a dad like I had. Um, so it's important for each of us to go out <laughs> And help people and not point to the line and say, there, you need to walk that line to be a Christian. No, we need to put our arm around that person and be like, hey, let me walk this with you and show you you have questions. Let's find the answer or whatever. And I and exactly. I wanted to say, well, I wrote down a couple of things because uh, as you're going, you're firing me up. But um, I think what happens and, and listen, this is my opinion. This is uh this is just the way I view it. I think a lot of leaders in the church see themselves uh, beyond some of these roles that they feel necessary for the church. Uh, discipleship is one of them. You don't see a lot of pastors and associate pastors discipling people. They're, they have other people that they want to make disciples so that they can disciple people. And there's nothing wrong with that as long as the, as long as the standard is set biblically, what needs to be right. shared with them. The other thing is people have, people receive their talents from God, right? Whatever our talents are, if we, uh, yours is teaching, my wife's happens to be teaching as well. That's a talent they receive from God. They have to repay that talent with something godly. They can't get that talent and say, well, I'd really rather do this, uh, because it's not going to be blessed in the way that they, that they, that they want it to. Some people get, you feel they're called to the ministry and their talent may not be uh, being called to the ministry and God may use them in a different way. Uh, and the only point I'm trying to get at is you, you have to realize what your talent is and how God is going to use that through you uh, and not try exactly. to circumvent that. And the Holy Spirit is the only one once again right. yep. that can give you yep. that assurance and let you know. And, and on, sure. and on yeah. your topic of apologetics, that was something for me. Uh, I don't even know a better way to put it. It just turned me off. Like I, I would hear apologetics and, and here's why it turned me off because I didn't understand it. And a lot of times right. because we're not uh, helped along to understand something, not made to under, you can't preach to me on a topic I'm not interested in because I'm not going to hear right. it. I'm just not going to listen. I'm going to do something else. I'll read ahead. I'll look at, you know, so when apologetics would come up, it didn't interest me because I wasn't helped to make it interesting or understand it. I was made right. to listen to it. And so it became disinteresting. But now right. I see it as a fundamental. Like we have to be able to, and it's not, it's not that we have to defend our faith. God needs no defense. We have right. to be able to help people understand what it is that turns them away from our faith. There's, there's a big link of people not understanding our faith and it's because they're, they're not helped to understand it. We just tell them and expect them to get it. And then they're like, yeah, okay. I still didn't get that. Talk to you later. A man with a, with an experience is never at the mercy of a man with an opinion. More people need to have that experience and there's just not enough people 
showing others how to have that experience. And a lot of it's because they haven't had that experience themselves. The word's negative. Yeah. Well, the, the, there has to be some sort of buy-in and a lot of things that you teach yeah. because people need to see wh- how they're going to benefit from it, right? Yeah. And like I said, a lot of times if you ask questions, you see the health of your own um, your own knowledge of, of how to tell other people that God exists. One of the things about apologetics that Christians don't realize is that if that person you're speaking to does not appeal to the authority of scripture, they are going to dismiss everything that you have to say. So you start with something that we all know, which we all live in this world, right? So that's the approach apologetics takes is you're talking to skeptics and agnostics, um, or excuse me, agnostics and atheists, which agnostics are skeptics, by the way, they're lumped in the same category, but Yeah. yeah, by default. But, but what I'm saying too, as a Christian raised in church is that your Christian students and your children being raised in church will have these same exact questions. And that's what people don't realize is that they will still ask, why do we believe in God? How do we know he's like, he's, he is the truth, the way, the truth and the life. And there's only four reasons people believe what they do. They, every, every reason you give for what you believe falls into four different categories. The first one and very popular, especially for people raised in church like myself is the sociological reason we believe because of family influence, grandma believed in God. So she prayed. So we're all going to go to catechism on Wednesday nights or Thursday nights or whatever. It's you're believing because of culture, society. The other one is psychological. It becomes your identity. It feels good. It gives you peace of mind. A lot of times Buddhism, people who who go the way of of Buddhist and meditation, it it gives them peace or they say peace of mind. That has nothing to do with foundation of truth and it doesn't have to. And then the third reason are religious reasons. It just like 65% 65 of Americans claiming Christianity. Well, they're claiming it because that's the religion that America has always been, you know, it's been the religion of America. And we've been founded on biblical principles when you look at like our Declaration of Independence and things like that. So it's had a huge influence, but people don't know why. It doesn't mean there's anything. They don't know the truth of it. And the last one are are, are the uh, physiological reasons. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Is it physiological? I think it's like evidence, reason, logic science, all those things that make you see what is consistent. And it's when you evaluate your world and you evaluate the word of God and you see how they correlate and come together, you can say, you know what? I believe because this is founded on truth. I believe because all of the evidence points to beyond a reasonable doubt that there has to be a creator, that this world has intelligent design to it. When you look at like the anthropic constants. There are over 122 things in this world that if they were slightly off, either one way, one degree more or one degree less, life on this earth would cease to exist, having everything to do just with the way the world was designed. Right. So you're going to tell me, and, and those are the things that we bring to, to the table to talk about and discuss, because you also see we're in Psalms, the Bible tells us that, that in, well, this is in Romans, that creation itself cries out that there is a God. 
creation does. So everyone is without excuse. You don't have to crack open your Bible to look around and say that there's intelligent design. You can look in the mirror and learn that you haven't even had to think about within the last minute how many breaths your body just took because God has designed your lungs and your respiratory system to work that way, where it just, you are living and you don't have to even think about it. So those are the things that apologetics tackles and looks at and brings brings God's world into into the the evidence of who God is and his very existence. And that's why we say this cannot be chance. This cannot be through a, you know, something exploding from from nothing into something and created all of this. And so that's why I believe apologetics is important in the church because it teaches you how to go out and talk to anybody. The skeptic sitting in your own pew or the skeptic and agnostic or the atheist out in the the world. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, for me for a long time, it was like, I don't have to prove I'm right. They have to prove I'm wrong. And I had this, like this belief that, uh, God didn't need defense, but it's not even, it's not even the defense. It's Mm -mm. the most important thing, right. And in life, well, let me back up. Uh, if you're, if you're living and listening to this, you're going to die, right? That's, that's a, without a doubt fact. It doesn't matter if you believe in creation or, uh, evolution, it doesn't matter. You're going to die based on no matter what you believe. But, but the thing is you're going to have a physical death. The thing is, is we believe and we should explain that the soul is the most important thing to the body. And that soul has an opportunity to live forever based on our faith in Jesus Christ and our belief on him, or it has a chance to die and be separated from God and live in eternity in hell. There's, there's those two things. If you don't care about your life here on earth or what happens afterwards, then why would you, why would you not put the investment that you'll live eternally with God? Like, and we have to be able to explain that to people because the soul is That's the thing. When it comes down to it, we're talking about eternal consequences. Yeah. Because if, you know, the Bible tells us our life is like a vapor. We all know time goes by fast. Um, but that's, that's the point of, of what we're talking about is God doesn't need to be defended. However, the Bible tells us to defend the faith, to be ready to give an answer yeah. for the hope that is within us. Jude said, he goes, dear friends, this is in Jude 3. Although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, which is a great thing, right? We share a common salvation. I wanted to write to you about that. I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. And that word contend, if you look it up in the Greek, it is a very active word. It shows that it's like saying that when you're in a rink with somebody and you're getting ready to spar, you are you are actively trying to take your opponent and and win them over and we have to do that in a winsome way but faith and and being a christian means you are always on alert and you're always ready no matter where you are today i was at the gym and i was just talking about they were talking about anxiety and i have an an episode coming up next week about how anxiety is not considered a mental disorder but it all goes back to God saying, transform your mind. So I was bringing some of those things up, but not getting really into the Bible, the biblical concepts of it. 
a lady comes up to me later and she's like, what do you do? Like you do a podcast, but, but what is your, like, what's your expertise in it? And I'm like, oh, expertise is a really flattering yeah. word, but yeah, I told her I talk about like Christian careful. apologetics and yeah, exactly. I said, I talk about Christian apologetics and blah, blah, blah. And I said, and she's like, what is that? And of course, okay, now here's my opportunity, right? Because that's what we're looking for. I'm at the gym doing CrossFit, but somebody asked me, what is Christian apologetics? And I told her it's, looking at the evidence for God through science, logic, reason. And I said, and we evaluate evolution. Is that true? And all this, she's like, well, what do you believe then? Okay. You have an open door just because somebody's curious yeah. that you told them you don't have to stay in a state of anxiety that God can transform your mind. And then it just, it just unraveled from there. And I said, I believe all the evidence points to God beyond a reasonable doubt. Yeah. And she's like, Oh my gosh, that is so fascinating. Well, before she started talking to me, she dropped a, a cuss word. So I'm not too sure that she believes in God. Maybe she struggles with her mouth and she does. I don't know. But whatever it was opened a door for me to be able to talk to her and tell her today that there's evidence that proves that God exists. So we always have to be ready because you don't know when someone's going to ask you uh, why you believe what you believe and how do you know what you believe is true because everybody thinks that what they believe is true. Otherwise they wouldn't believe it. Right. Well, God will so, put us in people's paths for a purpose. It's not our job to figure out why it's to, it's to be able to explain to that person uh, our belief in Jesus Christ. We're called to do that all the time. We're, we're, it, it just baffles me. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, listen, I was given a second chance. And I truly believe that I could have died five years ago and I would have gone to hell period. And now I live mm -hmm. every moment of my life <laughs> bringing glory back to God because he sacrificed his son for me uh, and for a lot of people and for everyone. Right. And for me, I, if I don't do that, the chances that I'm given, then I'm no better at my, I'm, I'm not worthy of the second chance that I was offered. You know what I mean? Like right. that we've all been given that chance somewhere in our life. And a lot of people dismiss it. Uh, and then there's people that they don't do. take, take the seriousness of it by realizing that. Uh, and I, I believe too, we're, we are underestimating the culture that we live in because we live in a, not just postmodernism, we live in a post truth culture. So what that means is people don't really care about the truth. They want, they go off what they feel. We see that all over yeah, social media, yeah, right? right? We saw that last year. So you have to be strategic as a Christian. If you continue to give the same Christianese, you know, yeah. if you're speaking to right. it, people know that already. We live in a culture that claims 65% of Americans claim to be Christians there. You have to approach these conversations outside yeah. of the church and sometimes within yeah. the church differently and it's not to say that you're not going to bring that glory back to Christ without the gospel, Romans 1, 16, right? 1, 16 through 18. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for the Jew and also for the Greek, right? It is the yeah. only power of God unto salvation. And I always tell people, apologetics, an encouraging word, a good job or whatever is not going to change anybody's life. It's only the gospel message. So we have to find a way to open that door to get in there and win the fact, win the trust of the people to say that whoever you're talking to, oh, I want to hear what they have to say. So then you can give them the gospel. And sometimes that's through addressing things like 
the way that they think or anxiety or telling them that you believe beyond a reasonable doubt that God exists. Okay, well, I got to hear more about this. And so our approach also, and you have to think of it as in a, a military, I always say like when generals get together and they strategize and they say, how are we going to face the battle today? Right. Well, that's kind of how it is with Christianity, but we're not talking about being strategic and going out there and saying, how do we win the culture? Because the culture is in post-truth. They do not care about what is true unless you give them a buy-in of some way to say, how is this going to benefit me? And um, and that's just the reality, once again, of where we are. And that's why I try to look at it from a different approach to on who it is that I am speaking to and how I get them to hopefully get to that point where I can give them the gospel message because um, we only care about what we feel and what feels good to us. And I'm saying that generalized again, not, yeah, you know, yeah. me, you and, and or anything like that. So it's I hope not, that makes sense. No, it does. It's not one size fits all. And that's not what I was. I, I wasn't trying to convey that we should take every opportunity, apply it the same way. You have to see what somebody's desire is, and then you have to create right. the desire in them to receive Christ. They, I can't, I can't right. make them want anything. I can't share my faith with people. I can't share my desire to be in a re- relationship with God. I can't do that. They have to have it. A lot of it's just your attitude though. Yeah. If you, yeah. if you go into a, if you're in a situation that's deemed bad, bad, looks bad from the outside, but you handle it in a way that shows Christ's love within you in yeah. the peace and the joy and everything. Other people will see that and they'll be like, why did that person react that way in that situation? Yeah. So that's right. an open door as well. You know, people will wonder why did he not fly exactly. off the handle or whatever? So, well, you have to right the, the, the work that God's doing in you if people don't see that, right? Like you shared your information with somebody else and somebody else overheard that today at the gym. If you just dismissed it or you were in a hurry or, or got in a bad mood, cause I don't know, you couldn't lift 500 pounds today or whatever. If, if that happened <laughs> and somebody walked over and you were in a bad mood, they wouldn't see the Christian in you. They wouldn't yeah. see the passion right. you had for the gospel. Uh, and regardless really of, of her, her potty mouth or whatever. That's not what we focus on. If we focus on all those things, like your one episode that you did on tattoos and piercings, if we focus on those things, what are we looking at? Like, what do we really, what do we really think about the, the grace and mercy God extended to us, but yet here we are focused on these little things. We're making ourselves God because, you know, only God knows the heart yeah. And like so, you, right. and, and like you said, Shannon, you, you said, right. She said a curse word. You're not sure, but that doesn't your, your, uh, breakdown of whether or not she was real about what you were talking about. That's not, it doesn't matter. It matters what right. God wants you to do with the gospel. It doesn't matter what exactly. your determination is. Yeah. You're, you're told to right. go out. So you go, you provide the information, you study it out, you read it, you live it, learn it and love it. And then you provide it to other people. What they do with it, uh, you've you've done your part. Um, right. You can't make them exactly. do the same thing. And, you know, she the, the lady used a bad word. But, you know, this may be a conversation that happens five more times. And then the lady would be like, you know, wow. And, and, and start right. investigating and, and researching. And um, she'll see where, you know, yeah, she'll be convicted of whatever sure. she needs to be convicted of. Sure. Holy Spirit will do that. Right. 
Man, I don't, right. I don't feel I like we'll ever that. have enough time for, no. for a conversation with Shanda. <laughs> no. And I feel like I, maybe I don't need to take your class now. Like you just did about a 20 minute thing on apologetics. So maybe I'm good. <laughs> no, I, I want to do it because I told you today, like it's so out of my comfort zone. If I don't put myself in front of it, then, then I'll always be behind it. So. Yeah. Well, you know what? I give you props for signing up because I, you know, I feel like apologetics is it's, it's the intellectual part of our faith for sure. There's a lot of information that comes along with it, but it, I believe, I truly believe it helps us understand the culture a little bit better and equips us to be able to handle conversations with you. You guys are online now you're on social media, obviously. Yeah. And you have a podcast and you're going to you're going to continue to accumulate an audience that is going to have questions and it's only going to equip you to be able to handle that. And I think it'll be good. I really do. If not, then you can blame the teacher. <laughs> no, no, you already you, you already convicted me because you you made a statement and I don't remember. It was on one of your podcasts and I don't remember which one it was, but you said usually these classes on the first day they're full. And then by week yeah. two, like three or four people drop off. I'm like, I can't be that guy. <laughs> like if I don't, sh- if I don't show back up for all six, uh, six classes, right. If I don't show up for these classes, yeah. nah, like I'm, not, <laughs> I can't, I can't be that. It already convicted me. You dropped some like, I don't know. <laughs> I did say that. I did. It wasn't too long ago. Yeah. And I'm like, geez, no. Yeah. It's the nature of man, right? We're all gung ho and then we don't stick with it. And that goes with, like I said, I think I even said the gym and stuff. I I see it all the time in the gym. So it's a discipline, but it'll be good if we stick with it. Well, so is this. And I think that's actually a great comparison because, you know, people are gung ho and they'll go to the gym. And they don't see the results as quickly as they think they should. And then they get discouraged. I think it's the same with Christianity. Uh People go to church, they get baptized and everything, but their life really isn't changing. They're like, why hasn't this cleaned up yet? Yeah. Their life hasn't really changed because Mm -hmm. no one told them, hey, the Holy Spirit needs to come in. You need to allow the Holy Spirit to come in and help you clean this up. So they don't see any results and they kind of drop off and they're like, yeah, you know, I got all I need. Oh, I'm going to heaven. So I got baptized. I'm good. See you. Now there's more right. to it. That's why we have to help there's people so understand more it. To it. For sure. That's where discipleship comes in, you yes. know? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I enjoyed it. I know you're driving now, so I don't want to be a cause of anything bad that happens. Because <laughs> uh, I heard you start driving. <laughs> you guys driving. could tell. I was hoping no one could tell. <laughs> yeah. You're like that. What is that? What are those videos on Instagram where the guy pulls up next to the car and he's like, one, two, three. And his wife's like, what are you doing? I did that to my wife the other day and I stepped on the accelerator. She's like, you're such a dork. (laughs) I "I know I'm just a, I'm just a fool. So, so Shanda, it was a pleasure. Oh man. Yeah. A lot of information. It was very, very awesome. Yep. Well, thank you for having me. It's nice. I could talk about this stuff all day. So, well, we, we would like to have you, we would like to have you back. Uh, and, you know, no promises. You'll get off of this and I don't, I don't know, maybe you'll disconnect from us, but, uh, we would like to have you back and maybe touch more. And what I would like to do is after I get through your course, I would like to have you come back and maybe we just talk about the course a little bit. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I'd like to pick a subject and, and, uh, and have a discussion, a deep discussion, a biblical discussion. Yeah. 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 Okay. For sure. Not CrossFit. 
No, not CrossFit. No, we would <laughs> fail. We would fail at that. Hey, we can go. To, we can go to church and have that conversation. Uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. All right, Shannon. Will you be careful today? And uh, thank you so much for uh, coming on and talking to us. I really do appreciate it. I know you made Alan's day. Absolutely. So enjoy thank your day, you. Shanda. Yeah, thank you. And I'll reach out to you on email, uh, let you know when we'll put this out, and then I'll get some stuff for social media so we can. Oh, do you want her to go ahead and plug her stuff? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you yeah. Can go yeah. Ahead Talk and... about, uh, mention your book, uh, your website, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay, well, I wrote the book a few years ago, and honestly, if I could go back and change it, I would. But if anybody's interested in it, it's called Reflections of Eve. Um, talks about a woman's purpose. And then I have a boy mom um, Bible study as well. But you can find me on Instagram at Shanda Fulbright. There's one L in Fulbright. Or you can go to my website, ShandaFulbright.com, and find all of my resources, blog posts, and my podcast is called Her Faith Inspires, wherever podcasts are found. Yes, you have got to listen to the podcast. And I'm not plugging that because you're a guest. I actually listened to it and then uh, reached out to you because it, it was in line. So, and my wife listened to it and thought it was phenomenal. So if she gave it an A, uh, I could not, not have you on here. So (laughs) right, it was, it was awesome. I'll put all your stuff in the bottom of this, uh, uh, episode note, and then I'll, I'll send something on social media. Anyways. All right. Well, we appreciate it. And, uh, I hope you have a blessed day. Have a good day. Thanks, you guys, too. Okay, see you, Shanda. Okay, bye. So that's it for this episode. We're glad you listened and hope you'll come back. Visit www.graceworkswithanx.net to listen to past episodes, read our daily devotions, or provide feedback. If you'd like to be a guest on our show, send us a message through Instagram, Facebook, or our website. And if these episodes have been an encouragement to you in any way, please share them. Have a blessed day.